Welcome back, guys. Uh, special video tonight for many reasons. Uh, one is talking about my beloved Eels. Uh, the other is a massive guest on and Andy Raymond, as I think every passionate league personnel or fan um, knows him, um, misses him regularly on Fox Sports and over. I know now you've got some other gigs that you do and um, I absolutely love listening to you. Just quickly, uh, welcome. Thanks again. Thanks a lot for, for coming. I know you're a passionate uh, para fan like myself. Uh, what are you up to at the moment for anyone that hasn't been keeping an update on the Andy Raymond story? Uh, at the moment, Joel, uh, doing a, a whole lot of podcasting. And in fact, next week, uh, celebrating one year of, of podcasting. And, and I've dug myself a massive hole, mate. I've, I've put so much content out. But uh, the result is a, a huge back library of, of interviews and some awesome interviews. I just released Ruben Wiki this week. Uh, got a massive surprise um, for the one-year celebration that I I can't wait to do next week. But podcasting and I guess on any one week you can hear up to a dozen superstars past and present. Uh, I'm doing a bit of work with Triple M. Uh, I'm doing local radio previews up here on the on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, then there's the extras, the, the the little bits that come in the uh, the hosting of functions, the hosting the uh, the monster trucks at the Sydney and Brisbane Entertainment Centre. So, mate, there's there's certainly enough to to keep me going. Uh, honestly, do you have time to breathe at the moment? You're you are crazy. <laughs> it's like you're busier now than you were. Um, with the full time with Fox Sports, so yeah. it's probably a good thing overall. Once it's not not good thing, but um, you, you've definitely improved with everything. I, I personally think um, you're one of the best rugby league brains out there, and I appreciate um, that, mate. It is a big honour to, to have you on. And I know first the first question is: knowing you're a massive para fan, um, yeah. the fan just wants to know what made you a para fan. I grew up in the North Rocks Carlingford area on North Rocks Road where my, my dear old mum at 78 years of age still lives to this very day. Uh, she's been in the house for 52 years. Uh, so we grew up 10 minutes away from Parramatta Stadium. And I was born in 71. So I guess by about 82, 83, you get into that age where you're riding your bike of a weekend, up, you know, the old rule used to be before there were so many creeps in the world. The old rule used to be when the street lights went on, all the kids went home. There were no mobile phones, there were no pages, they had no bloody idea where we were. When the street lights came on, you went home for dinner. And we'd end up riding down to Parramatta. At the time, there was no oval there. Cumberland Oval was burnt down at the end of 1981. But what there was, right down the back of where the stadium is at the moment, there's a giant hill and then there's the river. And the local kids had built a couple of BMX ramp jumps going into the river. And so you'd fly down the hill on your on your pushy and jump into the river on your bike. And all the older kids would sort of bob up and down in the river and... Uh, get your bike for you, fish out, and off you go. So, mate, grew up in the area, um, and that was, what was there, 12 footy teams then, and we uh, was almost a no-brainer. Live in the Para area, live closest to Para, so Para it is. And uh, and uh, 
50 years later, it's still tormenting me to a large degree. <laughs> I went to the 86 grand final. That was the first grand final I went to. Um, Parramatta's last one. I remember it so clearly, and I've done interviews with uh, Brett Kenny, Mick Cronin, and Ray Price over the last couple of months where we reminisce about 86, and I was just a, a little kid on the hill, but, man, what a day at the SCG. Um, sadly, yeah, 1986, that's that's us, mate, unfortunately, in, in terms of premierships. Hey, at least you've seen one. I'll just start yeah. off on that note saying at least you've seen one. I was yeah. sitting um, in 09 in this. Oh, I had to buy my tickets late um, and I had to book the Melbourne Storm section. So I was in oh. amongst them and I was right behind the post and I was watching, I was sitting there when the bomb went up, Greg Inglis caught it and it looked like Hayne and Ben Smith were just looking at each other, not knowing yeah. what was going on. I was sitting right there and um, one of the... <laughs> The hardest 80 minutes of my life was sitting in amongst that purple patch. And there wasn't many, but they were loud, and when, especially when you're right there. So yeah. that was probably no, we've, had a, we've had a couple of chances, haven't we? In 01, that was the one that, that no. got away. That was just crazy. But 09, we gave them a, a huge head start, and that was a hell of a footy side. Um, gave them a huge head start, pegged it back, pegged it back, and it was like, oh, nah. <laughs> Our time will come. We're going to be positive. We've waited so bloody long. We might as well yeah. keep waiting. It, it got, yeah, it was so close. And before we really dig deep into the current issues, just one last quick question for you. Have you got a yeah. favourite all-time eel? Uh, it would have to be Brett Kenny. I normally I normally name forwards as my favourite player. I, I'm still under the belief the forwards win you the matches and the backs determined by how much. But Brett Kenny, the most naturally gifted footballer I've seen, um, a guy that uh, I grew up idolising. I lived not far from him. Uh, we became great mates and still are to this day. We worked together at Fox Sports on a number of occasions over a number of years. What he did on a footy field was outrageous. I mean, just unbelievable and did it with so much ease and so much grace that um, he was just born to do it. So I'd have to say probably Brett Kenny, but you you could almost substitute anyone from that early to mid-1980s side in, whether it's a, a Paul Taylor at the back, a, a Mick Cronin, a Ray Price, uh, Ray Higgs going even earlier, our great little number seven. The magical Peter Sterling. I mean, all of them were absolute champions, but if I had to pick one, it'd, it'd be Bert. Yeah. Well, my pop, who played for Parramatta, he coached the yeah, side. Yeah. And he also was, yeah, was a CEO as well. So he's been around the club pretty much since day dot. He, uh, before he passed away, but he actually said to me that uh, Brett Kenny was just an absolute freak. He goes, yeah. no one um, went close to him when he was on, which was a lot of the time. Yeah. You basically just sat there and watched in all. Um, he just mm. said he was just one of a kind talent. And to this day, um, he didn't think any current power power player gets close to him. He just said he's just that special of a talent. So a lot yeah. there's a the first question on this current situation, obviously being para fans, it is um a bit upsetting at the moment, but there's also ways yeah. to sort of think about things. The first question mm. we got off here is Obviously, we can both see we're both very passionate about this side. Is that 
What's the immediate thoughts regarding the current Eels situation? Um, it snowballs, and, and that's that's history talking. It snowballs. It being the nonsense in rugby league, whether it's from the media, whether it's from the fans, uh, it's it's result based. But when when you're down on results, people talk. Players talk to managers, then managers go off on a different tangent. And that's, I think that's what we're seeing here. I think it's a relationship between a player manager and a journalist that is creating all this nonsense and they'll get caught out. They will. And um, I don't believe anything at all has got to do with who's got the biggest rooms. I think that is uh, to say that there's a rift in the camp, in the bubble up here in Queensland is just niggling the bear, just, just poking, just, just trying to create some type of divide. What I will say, uh, and I, uh, before, and that wouldn't have come from any player. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. There is no player that would have said anything along those lines. What I will say is the wives and the kids have, have come up and anyone that's either had or has a couple of little terrors running around to be locked up 24 seven for 14 days in a room by themselves initially that's a huge task for any any mum or any partner. But then they move into the next level of the biosecurity bubble and they're, they're with their hubby or their, their partner, but it's still very much lockdown. It's, it's, not a, it's not a holiday. And I'm quite sure some of the mums are doing it really, really tough at the moment. Um, the boys are concentrating on footy. The boys then have got the shits because they're not winning footy games. The kids want to go to the beach now. Then they want to get fed. They're just doing what kids do. So it's I don't think it's one big thing. I think it's a number of small things. And, and I bet every, 16 every one of the 16 clubs is going through really trying stages with some of the wives, some of the families, some of the players, some of the players don't want to be in the bubble and don't want to be locked down 18 hours a day, but they are going to bite their lip and not say anything because they don't want to be seen publicly as the bloke that's whinging about staying in a five-star hotel, still earning bucket loads of money. So really testing times. The, the storm mastered it last year when they did it up here at Twin Waters. They absolutely mastered it. And as a result, anything less than complete harmony is, is seen as a failure. I think everything is being driven by the losses, the more so the, than the results, the performances, and the performances just haven't been up to scratch. And when the performances aren't up to scratch, then it explodes. Then you get stories like this. Then you get discontent. Then the, the gutho contract thing comes up again. For, I mean, but God's sake, he's under he's under contract for another year, and there is if we're if we're going to be honest, there's not a player in the Parramatta system at the moment that, that would want to be negotiating 
a contract on the back of their last six weeks. Yeah. You know, Gutho's a better player than what he's what he's shown in the last six weeks. So are they all. I don't know where this Gutherson thing has come up from. Again, it's the manager because I don't believe it's coming internally. The manager played the same game last time around and it, it, it bit him on the ass. Um, but it also took its toll on the player, players and coach, as well as the supporters. So, yeah. um, long, long answer short, I don't believe there's huge dramas there, but a lot of little things do build up. Yeah, I, I think you, you've said a few things there that, look, if at the start of the year, if I was to look at all clubs, I'd arguably put the Eels as the closest-knit group. Arguably yep. so. I feel like they've just built up such a family vibe at the club over about a three- yep. to four-year period where Brad Arthur's been really strict on it, um, and yep. they were so close. And a lot of people would think, yep, going into the bubble situation, they'd find it the easiest. There's also the yep. way to look at it is that we've just opened up a brand-new stadium, which we've been massive at. We've been a different side. Yep. Every time we get to play there, um it's just it gives us a third leg and, and the crowd yeah. on top of us um so for a footballing point of view we've probably found it the one of the as apart from probably the warriors our team's probably found it probably arguably really good hardest. point so really really good point in terms of home ground advantage we're probably we're probably missing it more than most but probably the Warriors and, and the Storm, not that you'd ever know with the Storm because they just continue to do what they continue to do. That's, that's, a, that's a really good call, Jolly, the, uh, the no home ground advantage. Um, I think we'll all cop the results. You know, you, you, cop, a, you cop a bad result if, you, if your footy team's having a, a crack. Um, and I do believe they're having a crack. I, I, I would never, ever accuse any player in first grade, whatever team they're on, whatever performance it was, I could never say they haven't had a go and they're not trying, but the most recent performance, it, look, I'm sure they tried. Yeah. I, I really am. And I, I, I want to believe that, but it just turned so badly that the perception is they raised the white flag and gave up. Yeah, it, it, and unfortunately, it happened at a time where it was just after a letter to the fans. We, we've seen that happen a number of times yeah. at different clubs where there's some hard times. They want to keep the members and fans happy, so they pen yep. a, a letter. Um, so it was a bad time for them to play Manly, probably our biggest arch rivals once you look at yeah. um, overall, and and to put that performance in. Uh, that's yeah. Probably what has got a lot of fans offside at the moment, just going, "Oh, this is mm. this is a joke. This is getting too too much," and and I'm I'm tuning yep. out. Um, which there is ways to understand it, but there's also ways to look at it and think. Apart from reading, as you said, the typical media headlines. Look, Parramatta sell papers. They sell. That's right, clips. mate. Where, where, apart from the Broncos, probably the biggest supporter base for the yep. game, and and people love to give us crap uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why, because. 
they haven't been successful for so long. It's yeah. sort of like when you just feel sorry for us. But um, people love to either talk crap about us or our fans love to just... It sells though, mate. It sells yeah. though with para, And that's been... That's not a new thing just, you know, with the internet. That's going back before the internet days to the old, you know, when there was two or three newspapers in Sydney going back to the, the 80s and the early 90s. Um, if you put Parramatta on the back page of any one of those three newspapers, you were going to sell more newspapers than the other two on that given day. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, where there's where there's clickbait, it... Um, it perpetuates, sadly. On clickbait, and, and you sort of mentioned him a bit earlier, I've got a fan question here about, I don't really like to talk about this stuff, but he's asked a question, I'm going to respect it, and he's asked us what we would pay Gutho on his next contract. Now, before we answer that question, I'll also say something on Gutho, is that I don't think there's been a player over the last three to four years that have put in the effort that he has done mm-hmm. um, on a consistent basis. He's been the heart and soul of the club um, for years I know his last contract was a bit up in the air I think they were led a bit more by managers than people can sort of understand but I I believe a player's worth whatever a club's willing to to give for him they've got a short um, career and then you don't know what's going to happen post football Um, so they've got to make the money while they can and it's up to a club to balance their salary cap in a way to then go you know what is Gutho a top 10 player moving forward? Will he demand a million dollar contract? That's something that us as a club have to realize. But then you also sit back and go, you know what? He's the one that leads training. He's the one that leads the club. People were offside with what he said the other week to, to Opacek. But I, I'm for the belief that we need those passionate players at the club. If there's probably something we haven't seen in the last few weeks, it's that passion has um, maybe going out the door a little bit um, for obvious, for other reasons we have spoken about, but what would you um, give Gutho? Uh, and what, what are your thoughts around Gutho at the moment? Because it's fair to say he has copped a bit of criticism in the last few weeks. Yep. Uh, yeah, he has copped a bit of criticism the last couple of weeks and he can thank his manager for that. If, if we're being, if we're being honest, uh, he can thank his manager for that. Look, the figures that get purported in the newspapers or on the radio or on the internet are probably around about numbers. Um, I'm very sceptical that they are the legit numbers. And I'm not just talking Gutho, I'm talking anyone. I will give you an example, though. Ben Hunt signed with the, the Dragons a couple of years ago for as it was reported, 1.1 or 1.2 a year. And he's been torn a new one over the last couple of years on social media and by the mainstream media, the $1.2 million man failing to live up. Okay. He went out and got the best deal for himself. The Dragons, or someone at the Dragons, deemed he was worth 1.2. So if he hasn't lived up to it, whose fault is that? Is that Ben Hunt's fault? Not a chance. It's the bloke that wrote the bloody check. He's the one that should be sacked. He's the one that that, that should put his hand up and say, hey, I got it wrong. So it's a a really delicate one in the fact I get the players uh, try to get the best deal for them, as you do, as I do, 
as our mates do, as anyone listening to this do, does. If if another employee is going to give you, you know, a couple of extra coins in your pay packet, well, you consider it. As I said in my first answer, does anyone at Parramatta really want to be negotiating a contract at the moment, though, on the back of the last six weeks? No one's value has gone up at all. No one's value has stayed the same. Sadly, everyone's value has gone down with the performances that they've tossed up. So I, I get what you're saying about Guffo being a, a leader and setting an example. There's a few others in the club that also do that at a training session. Mitchell Moses is unbelievable at training. Uh, and that, that's a genuine insight, having been there, having watched it. Regan Campbell-Gillard is amazing at training. So too uh, Nathan Brown. Michael Jennings was. Yeah. Um, so you need leaders at training and you need different personalities and different characteristics. But if we are being legit and we are putting a ranking system in for fullbacks at the moment and as of this year and saying, well, the top third of fullbacks are a million-dollar players, the next third of fullbacks are $800 players, and the next third of, of fullbacks are $600,000 players. Where does Guffo sit in a ranking system at the moment? You've got Tedesco, you've got Tommy, you've got Latrell, uh, that I, I think we could pretty comfortably say one, two, and three in, in any given order. Um, I'm just trying to think at the moment uh, who else? Well, you've got Kalen Ponga, you've got yeah. Ryan Pappenhausen, you've got Nico Hines, you've got Valentine Holmes, um, and I'm I'm forgetting another four or five yeah. again. But there's there's seven guys, not including Guffo, um, and some of them, if if we're splitting it up and and ranking, some of them are are going to be in in front of Guffo. So. If Latrell's a, a 1.1 and Tommy's a 1.2 and it starts going down, oh, I don't know. I don't know in how bigger increments it continues to go down, to be honest. Um, the way the game is at the moment, I think it's it's tailor-made under the new rules, tailor-made for the, the halfback, the running 5-8 and the fullback. As people, coaches, clubs and players are getting used to the new rules, the big dollar player, I think, will end up the hooker. More decisions in a game than anyone else, more split-second decisions in a game than anyone else. And there's probably not as good, not as many good young hookers around. So... You know, Gutho might be right time, but wrong jersey to yeah. be to be pulling in a million. I always get nervous and and uncertain talking about the dollar figure because, as I said at the start, I mate, I, I honestly don't know how accurate some of these media reports are. I can't, you know, as a journo in the past, I, I've never asked uh, a player, a manager, or someone from a football club how much was that contract worth? Because I, I 
I know they won't tell me the truth. Yeah. Um, so I think I think a lot of journos probably take liberties and, and speculate. Yeah, no. I, as you said, I think with Gutho at the moment, it's the wrong time to be a fullback and, and demand mm. cash because it's just, I think five to 10 years ago, he probably has a, a better case. Um, he's right up there. Yep. But at the moment, fullbacks are just an absolute, they're everywhere and they're all so good. Um, yeah. it, it's it's shown I think the last year or two with Origin when there's been a few out or something and then just mm. the next one's in and look at New South yeah. Wales they've got Teddy at the back and you've got two centres that are, are both equally world class fullbacks as well so yeah. it's and, pretty crazy. Ryan Pappenhausen probably would have been in yeah, the fourteen the, the, the number fourteen so you would have had four fullbacks <laughs> uh, four fullbacks in your in your seventeen and you know what. Uh, you, you probably could have pushed one or two of them onto the wing to accommodate another one or two as well. Yeah, exactly right. Look, there's a question in here and it's, it's asked us, do we agree with Paul Kent's comments regarding Parramatta actually have never been in a premiership window over the last few years when there has been talk? Uh, the second part of the question is, if we haven't been, um, is that all on Brad Arthur as the coach and having his own team, as people like to say? Mm. Premiership window. Uh, I'm still trying to figure out the exact definition. Um, I think a premiership window is actually who's got the best bloody roster. Um, I think our roster has improved more steadily than anyone else's over the last four or five years, but I don't think it's a top three or four roster if I'm being really honest, uh, I don't see our roster on form anyway, competing with Melbourne, Penrith, Rabbits, Roosters. Um, I think we're, you know, that second, that next level with, with Manly, with the Knights, um, you know, very good roster, but just not quite finished off like those, those big couple of sides. Um who does it come down to? Again, I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know the inner workings enough of a, of a footy club or the Parramatta club in particular. Um, I'm great mates with Brad Arthur. I'm great mates with Mark O'Neill. But I, I'm not going to ring either of them and say, hey, um, whose footy side is it? How does it work with recruitment and retention? Um, who gets the final say? I think if if we're being legit about it, everyone needs to put up their hand. See, you don't hear this type of stuff about the successful and the ongoing successful clubs, the, the Roosters and the Storm. Back office or inter-office politics um, or questions, they, they never get raised because um, they know how the whole system works. At the moment, Mark's being singled out by some in the media. Brad's being singled out by others in the media. Uh, and they're both probably thinking, you know, what on earth is happening here? Um, whose fault is it? Uh, you know, it's the club's fault. And and whoever, it's the club's fault. And, and I guess it, it depends who the club itself is is putting the heat on. Are they putting the heat on the entire recruitment and retention committee? Are they putting the heat on Mark O'Neill as, as 
you know, football operations manager, or are they putting the heat on, on Brad Arthur? Um, but the, the, the club should be taking responsibility. And if the, look, if the club in general takes responsibility, that takes the heat off Mark O'Neill and it takes the heat off Brad Arthur and any other individual. And, and I would think that's, that's good business policy, to be yeah. honest. Uh, I think that's really good business policy. We as a club will will take the blame um, for this and try and relieve some some individual pressure. One thing I, I do know, and a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, but you know, Brad Arthur has got the team he wants, and he you know he's getting the team he wants." If we won the clock back to the start of this year, Des Hasler couldn't coach. Yeah. Des Hasler couldn't coach. Sack him. Get rid of him. At the moment, Brad Arthur can't coach. Look where Des is. Yeah. You know, does that that wheel turns as well? Uh, you don't become a good coach or a bad coach in the space of four weeks or four months. Um, it's just dealing with the external pressures, the external noises, and, and the results. I've got no doubt it'll turn. I don't know if it's going to turn as quickly as we bloody want it to. Um, it, it, it'll turn at some stage. It, it's it's interesting. It just goes to show you how much is involved with running a, a football team and yeah. let alone a successful one. Uh, it is really hard. And there's been so many, I've had so many chats over the last week or two with other channels that they want to have a chat about this and, different ideas and suggestions get tossed around and this is the week a day by day hour by hour at the moment for a footy club plus they've moved away they're they're doing their own things they're they're not at their usual training venues and things yep. like that so there's a lot of different things to put into play it's it's so hard to put into i don't and the other hard bit is these days a modern football club it's not just the coach the coach is sort of the spokesperson is the face but the the big coaching staff that everyone has these days like some of the days or some of the training sessions the coach isn't even there he's doing something on the computer or he's in the office and he's he's getting reported back to say kidwell the defensive coach and someone else is doing it like there's so much who who we asking the questions for like at the moment our wingers are are going in who are we going to say is that kidwell's fault is it Brad yeah. Arthur's fault? Is it the winger's fault? Are they just going up to do it? We don't know. We're not who, who do you direct the question at? And that that's, you know, that's part of the, the, the whole evolution of professionalism. It used to be just the coach that was that was answerable to, to fans, to media, to the stakeholders in the club. The, the coach was responsible because the coach had the final be all and end all say. But that's, as, mate, as you said, Jolly, that, that's not the case anymore. The, the coach has a huge say. And in terms of tactics on the field, yes, the coach has the final say. Mate, so many people at a footy club have got a say in the external things that happen from recruitment all the way through to retention. And, and that's not just two things at either end. So much goes into that. Um, and so many people are involved. And to get that to get that equation right, got to be something special. Yeah, I'd also argue in terms of the the whole premiership window argument. Yes, we've had probably two to three clubs every year over the last three to four years that have just been 
a little bit better than us if it's everyone's at full strength. Now, the yep. problem with the NRL season is there's hardly ever a team that's full strength on a week-to-week yeah. basis. I'd argue then, uh, out of those three or four sides with us included, we'd probably have one of the better squads all round. Um, we've had some really good depth the last couple of years. And this year, our New South Wales Cup side was actually winning the comp before yeah. um, it, it went into lockdown and got cancelled, unfortunately. But there, there is really strong depth there. Now, there could be an argument, and I've heard this over the last couple of days on radio and things like that, is that we're missing that maybe one or two star players. But yep. they're so hard to sign. Like, it's all well and good to fans and that to say, yeah, go out there and sign Ponga, for instance. Yeah, mm. awesome. Great. Where First of all, who else are we going to get rid of? We've just built up this great squad of depth where with a few injuries, like now we've seen Marnie's down for the rest of the year. At least we've got Lusick now, which last year, mm. if this happened, we were absolutely screwed. We, we would yeah. be, I would say we probably won't win a game the rest of the year because we had no one left. But we've got Lusick yeah. there now. Um, we've got some really good depth. It's just a balancing act. They've decided we need some strong depth. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, I feel like a lot of people this year are underestimating the loss of Michael Jennings. He was huge. Um, yeah. he, he was a leader. He really improved our edge. He worked with Sevo a lot. Um, we weren't really seeing the defensive structures that we have seen now to the extremity um, since we've lost Michael Jennings. And the other yeah. one recently is Regan Campbell-Gillard. Um, yeah, I, yeah, look, there's yeah, Regan and Reed out, you know, huge blows for the Eels at the moment. Really good point about Michael Jennings, a thorough professional and a leader and a leader to the young Polynesian kids at the club, someone they they really admired and, and looked up to. And that the Michael Jennings situation, the timing of it, that was the first explosion. It just couldn't have been any worse. It was 24 hours before the, before an elimination game and everything turned to shit, pardon my language. I mean, the the ripple effects from that, probably they're probably still rippling away. You also mentioned, you know, a squad full of depth, really, really important. The Storm and the Panthers by a large degree over the last two seasons, take out Nathan Cleary and take out uh, Ryan Pappenhausen. Geez, they've, they've fielded some very familiar faces for a very high percentage of games compared to other clubs, whether it's the Roosters, whether it's the Cowboys, whether it's now the Eels that are going through, um, you know, injury issues. And that's not an excuse because, you know what, there's such a big catchment area and such a big junior playground. I think, I think they probably, there's been a reluctance to rely on the local kids coming through that can fill those positions, but being able to identify the good local kids to keep for cheap, but then going out and getting a, a marquee player, there's, yeah, easy for me to say, sitting here on the Sunshine Coast in my in my office, but there's there's probably an argument to say we've missed out on that one star player, as opposed to overloading a couple of contracts for guys that might be t- number 26, 27, 28, 29, and thirty in our thirty man squad, where we could have gone to the juniors. Yeah, that's a really good point uh, you make there. And I, I remember back on 
I remember going to Pertec Stadium or Paris Stadium back around the 2010 mark in that late 2010 to 14 with the mm. wooden spoons and things like that. I was there every week. That was some really troubling times because no mm. no disrespect to some of the players that were there, but we did not have a, a NRL level side or a squad. Yep. Um, we do have that now. And I'm a massive Brad Arthur fan. I won't have Brad Arthur yep. glasses on because, yes, he's probably done some questionable maybe tactics over the yep. last um, season or so. But um, the tr- things that he got our club out of um, when it came to the salary cap mess, he was front and center. There was times where the, the boardroom wasn't fronting anything to do with yeah, the media. They, right. they were hiding. He was there. He You could literally see he had tears in his eyes half the time. Mm. Uh, the bloke bleeds blue and yellow. I've seen him at Rashford. I think Brad Arthur has earned the right to see out his contract and see out his contract in peace and not be judged on the last four weeks. Um, I know, I know there are detractors out there because he says the same thing in media conferences or he does the same thing with team selections. And I, and I hear that social media noise. One disadvantage Brad Arthur has, and this is very, very significant is the way he presents himself. Brad was never the first grade superstar like um, a Ricky Stewart, like an Ivan Cleary, uh, a a Michael Maguire, uh, uh, you know, keep going. Wayne Bennett did, did, you know, he played for Australia and, and these, the majority of coaches have handled the media and learnt to handle the media over their playing days. Brad didn't. So he was coming in cold as a middle-aged guy. It's daunting. Cameras, journos in your face. And Brad probably hasn't been able to gain the experience with the media to keep everyone happy. As a result, you know, people say his press conferences are the same. Well, he probably hasn't learned how to, to, to deviate and to, to manipulate as as some of the, the other coaches do. I think it's a, a really significant part of um, of coaching is just the perception and the perception of that the Brad says the same thing or comes up with the same lines in, in press conferences after a loss. I don't see you know, any issues with it whatsoever. It's just a guy telling it how he is. He's a no bullshit guy, yeah. um, but he hasn't learnt the art and the skill of of manipulating the media like a Craig Bellamy, a, a Wayne Bennett or a Ricky Stewart has and does. But going back to the start, mate, I honestly believe Brad is the right guy. I'm very firm in that. And I even more importantly, believe that he has earned the right to get to the end of his contract at the end of next year and then be judged on that period, not be judged on the last the last two months. Yeah. The, the thing I always put to the people who do question Brad Arthur, I say a hypothetical. I say, let's, for instance, we've had a, a lead-in finals run towards the finals this year. We've versed every side that's going to be in the finals. Mm. I, I always say this to him. I go, hypothetically, let's say we now get to the finals. We lose to the Storm and Panthers. That's fine. We beat the Cowboys this weekend. We finish mm. six or whatever. We, we verse the Knights, it looks like. 
we're going to beat the Knights for mine. I think the Knights are just mm-hmm. that club that are, are below the top six teams. There's always been that six yep. teams all year round. What if this is a, a coaching masterclass that we don't know about, that he's just gone, let let the boys play for the next um, few weeks. We've got all these teams that we're going to verse again in another sort of, everyone yeah. says finals is a brand new competition. We've got a brand new competition starting. If we end up winning the comp, Brad Arthur looks like an absolute magician. And everyone who's said to if him. We, if we win week one, of, if, any, if, if the fifth and sixth sides win week one, which they're expected to, irrespective of what jerseys they are, then you're 160 minutes. You're two wins away from a grand final. And any of those sides, you know, on their day can do it. Um, I don't know if Brad is, is pulling the masterclass yeah. and, and getting us to run dead at the moment and, and giving everyone a false sense of security. I think you'd love the wins. But we're still there. We're, we're, we've still got a crack. Has the form been great? No, it's been horrible, and I get that. And fans are entitled to ask, you know, respectful questions of Brad and the players. But, you know, after week one of the finals, all things being equal, we win the first week and we're 160 minutes away or or six missed tackles away from a grand final. Yeah, I would much rather verse either the Knights or the Titans first week than I would oh, rather yes. than playing the Melbourne Storm. I, I know that much, and that's what would have happened if we finished fourth. So, yeah, look, I know playing I'm, the Storm and then getting the Roosters or the Rabbits the following week. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Mm. Or, or playing the Storm, getting bashed up, and then you play, as you said, fifth or sixth or riding high off a win and a lot of confidence. Yeah. And we did that last year, and, and it sort of it didn't really work out too well. For no, it us. didn't work out, so we're, we're taking the different approach. Yep. Um, BA, I believe in you, mate. You're doing a masterclass here. Um, look, I've, I've gone over a lot longer than I asked you for, so I do appreciate that. One That's quick right. one. We've had a yeah. sort of a jokingly question sent in is, when's the Eels finally going to win another premiership? Can we? Can you tell the, the fans out there, be you, oh, when can you see it happen? You want me to look into my crystal ball? You guys and girls are struggling. God, I can't predict a winner in Wentworth Park race one with a head start on the Red Dog, let alone the Premiership. Yeah. Look, um, I've been supporting him since 71, and I'll continue to ride the emotional roller coaster. I'll celebrate the wins. I'll get pissed off with the losses. I'll get frustrated. I'll get annoyed. I'll laugh. I'll cry. It is coming. It will come. And we're, you know, as the old cliche goes, we've we've just got to hang in there. The one thing I will say, and I fired up on Saturday night just recently, some of the stuff on social media um, directed at Brad, at the players, you know, on a personal level, was horrific. These are these are. Young men uh, with mothers, with aunties, with wives, with girlfriends, with daughters, nieces, nanas, goddaughters, and no one in the world should be subjected to some of the crap that I saw on Saturday night. And I called a, a few peanuts out and, um, and made a bit of an example of them. Yeah. Just... Vent your frustrations, and trust me, no one is more frustrated at these bloody eels than me. Yeah. Vent, vent your frustrations, have your say, 
please, if we do learn anything, let's try and keep the personal stuff out and just keep the para pride there. Do it respectfully, guys. We're, we're battling to be a top four team over the last few years consistently. I think overall fans will take that than the three or four wooden spoons in a row we got a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd much rather be taking these years where we're getting annoyed because we're not in the top four. I think that's showing yeah, that, that, that's, that's, that's a sign we're moving in the right direction, albeit very bloody slowly. Yeah. Our, our parameters have changed and we're now frustrated because we know we're close. We know there's something there and we're, we're asking for that, for that little bit better. It, it, we could go back to the bad old days where it was, Oh, spoon, 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 full, full, full cupboard full. Please no. Um, Andy, look, I really appreciate the fact that we have gone over time a lot more than asked right. before, uh, and you've just been happy to have a chat. Um, thank you once again for coming on. I love uh, the passion you have uh, for rugby league and obviously our Thanks. club. Um, and once again, mate, as I said, thank you very much. My pleasure. And to anyone that's uh, watched and or, or listened, keep supporting our mighty mob. And uh, who knows? Who bloody knows? We're going to beat the Cowboys this weekend, though. Oh, it'd be great. So, and if you haven't already, guys, uh, please check out Andy's podcast. I listen to him in the car weekly. I love him. Um, really good insights, really good interviews with players and everyone around rugby league. So please give him um, a, a listen to and Follow him on Instagram uh, and Facebook, all the social medias, great um, pages and one of the best insights, as I said, um, in the game. So thank you, Andy. Thanks, legend.